Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. It is afternoon time. I'm Bill Arnold, and I want to say thank you to all the pastors who are listening and all the pastors out there who are serving the kingdom of God. And they're doing what God has called them to do. And we're in the month of October here at Faith Radio, just wanting to let all the pastors know how much we appreciate them. So thank you for what you do. If you want to nominate your pastor, you can go to myfaithradio.com, and we'll send them a card and a little card for coffee, and we'll do what we can do around here just to let them know we love them and care about them. So you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and check it out. All right. So uh, this hour, we're going to continue our series on Who is This Jesus with my friend and Bible teacher, Jeff Verdorn. I'm really getting good at putting that little pause between your first name and your last name. Someone actually came up to me this week and said, I've listened to you on the radio and I actually thought for a long time your name was Jeffrey Dorn. Yeah, and I got, um, uh, Judith said Jeff Redorn. Jeff Redorn. Redorn, yeah. I haven't heard that one before, but yeah, it's kind of a tricky name if you say it quick. Yeah, and then some think it's Jeffrey Dorn. Yeah. I think you already said that. Well, my full name is Jeffrey, so you can call me Jeffrey if you want. Well, my grandmother used to call me Master Jeffrey when she would address letters oh, yeah. to me. Yeah, so I remember maybe that. we should go with that. What was, what was the thinking behind that? I think that was, was just that, a, was that a title, title for a young for, man. Yeah, I think so. It was kind of classy when you got Master Jeffrey. Master Jeffrey. I'm going with that from now on. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm not going to call you that. Okay. Ever. Okay. So <laughs> you know. All right. We're I think on episode eight of Who Is This Jesus? And I think it's always helpful to do a little bit of review before we move on. Is that uh, okay with you? Let's do it. So. We have been covering basically Jesus from beginning to end, and I like to say actually before the beginning and after the end, because of course Jesus is God. He's the infinite God. And as we started out in this study, we saw Jesus as the actual creator. So when you read in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we see in the New Testament that it was actually through Christ that the universe was created by him and for him all things were made that were made. We saw Jesus in the Old Testament, so things such as theophanies or more specifically Christophanies, where Jesus, the physical Jesus, appears in the Old Testament prior to his birth, prior to his incarnation. We listed out many of the Old Testament prophecies for Christ. So Jesus was not a surprise to the world. God had been telling the world for hundreds of years that he was going to send another one, another one like Moses, a prophet who would die for the sins of the world, born of the virgin, born in Bethlehem at just the right time, and so on. We then talked about his incarnation, Jesus' physical um, incarnation into this world. He was still God, but made a man. And we we rightly, and the church stressed the divinity of Christ, but we spent a little extra time in our series talking about the humanity of Christ. We forget that Jesus was a man just like us, felt pain just as we would feel pain. We then talked about the greatest pain of all in in Jesus going to the cross, 
what that looked like physically, but more important, what happened spiritually on the cross. That's called his atonement or the atoning work of Christ on the cross. And as John the Baptist said, we saw that Jesus died for the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We talked about where he went for three days, and then we talked a lot about his resurrection, that he appeared to many uh, over a period of 40 days and then went up to heaven in Acts chapter 1. We talked about the centrality of the resurrection of Christ. There is no Christianity without the resurrection, and Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 15. We also talked about our promised resurrection, that because Christ has been raised, we too will be raised. He's called, called the first fruits. And if there's a first, there's going to be more. So that's our glorification. And one day we will no longer be clothed in mortality in this earthly body, but we will be clothed in a heavenly glorified body, just like Christ. And then last time we talked about this truth of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel. That's the gospel message. Uh, The gospel is proclaimed. I know that some say that preach the gospel, use words if necessary, is kind of a phrase that we hear kind of often in the church. But the gospel requires words. It's a concept to believe. So God says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to whosoever believes it. And so that was the gospel last time. And this time we are going to spend actually a number of weeks, I think, Uh, talking about now all of the teachings of Jesus. Well, we're not going to cover all the teachings of Jesus. That would take us years to do, right? Um, So we're going to look at some of the primary teachings of Jesus. Um, We'll look at his longest speeches, the Sermon on on the Mount and the Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse, and we'll we'll look at those long teachings. And then uh, at some point in time, maybe three sessions from now, we will look at um, some of the difficult teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh, you won't have a part of the kingdom of heaven. Well, what, what was he saying there? What's going on? Uh, so the next few times we're going to l- look at uh, all the, a lot of the words in red in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. I like that. I had a uh, theologian on, I don't know, six, eight months ago, and he was talking about the book of John, which chronicles about 21 days in the life of Jesus. You mean the different stories over his whole ministry, there's only represented about 21 yep. days in the book of John. Yep. Hmm, I've never heard that before. Yeah. But that that actually is not that surprising no. actually because there's there's while there's a lot of events, many of them surround a lot of the last part of John is all surrounding the final week of Christ's life I know. and the crucifixion and so on. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that is an interesting point. Remember, uh, who is it, John or, or Luke, I think says, if, if you were to try to write down all the things that Jesus did and said, it would, you know, the books would fill, fill the world up. Yeah, right. So, um, so yeah, we have a, just a glimpse of the, of the picture of Christ, but I can, I can assure you, these are the things, these are the stories, these are the events, events and teachings that God wanted us to know. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get started with some of the main teachings of Jesus. I don't mind starting with some of the easier ones, which I think is a good a good place to start today. Yeah, so let me, as we go through, we kind of have to decide, well, how are we going to go through all these teachings? And I've decided to do it 
uh, as I did this, when I taught this class the first time, I categorized the teachings of Jesus into seven categories. And these seven categories is what we'll, what we'll go through here over the next couple of weeks. I think today we'll get through, you know, two, maybe three of them. Uh, but the first one is the, the core teaching or kind of the category. And I kind of use Bible verses to describe the categories. For the f- first one is repent for the kingdom of God is near. And so we'll look at the teachings related to the kingdom and that Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. What does that mean? Then the second category is follow me, and Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men, and all of the kind of teachings that says, hey, I want you to follow me, and I want you to to be a disciple of mine, and to go out into the world, and to teach others to obey what I've taught you, Mm -hmm. all right? The next one is, uh, number three is going to be all the I am statements. I am he, Jesus said. What does that mean? There's actually a deeper meaning to this this phrase when he answers, I am he, I actually think he actually said, and when he said this is just, I am. And we will look at those, including the seven I am statements of Jesus. He said, I am a number of things, seven different things in the book of John. Number four, we're going to look at, you must be born again. He told Nicodemus in chapter three that you must be born again if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? And so we'll look at that. And that's kind of the, all the salvation stuff will come under that one. Number five, he said the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? If Jesus said this is the greatest commandment, we better take a look at it. Number six, he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. Many of his teachings, he told the people and his disciples what was going to happen to him as proof that he is who he said he was. And so we'll look at the teachings under that category. And then number seven, he promised, he taught that there was another that was coming, the promised Holy Spirit. And that will then create what is called the church. And the church started in Acts chapter two when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. So that's kind of a preview now looking forward of what we're going to do in the next sessions. And we'll start with repent for the kingdom of God is near, category number one. That's nice. And, and Lister jumped in, Jeff, with John 21, verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could would be written. Perfect. That's, That's the, the verse I paraphrased. I, I thought it was John, and then I, I started doubting myself, and I'm going, is that, is that, was that Luke? Ex- no, that was John. Extremely smart listeners. That's Extremely good. They, they also smart. catch you on everything, right? I love it, though. That's good. It's very helpful for me. Uh, you've pointed those things out a couple times. Yes, I, I have. Yeah. Yes, I have. <laughs> so we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll start more with the teachings of Jesus, starting with repent. The kingdom of God is near. Jeff Verdorn is my guest. He is uh, with me for the full hour. Don't go anywhere. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. The way they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you never win. You never win. But the voice of truth. 
So, pop quiz. Whose walk-up music is that? Tick, 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 tick. It's Jeff Verdorn's. Master Jeffrey. Master Jeffrey Verdorn. And he's in the studio today. We're continuing our series on Who Is This Jesus? I love this series. And right now we're going to start talking about the main, some of the main teachings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I know you've put them in this lovely categories just for reference. And I think it's easy to, to do it this way. So let's start with repent. The kingdom of God is near. So yes, we, we see this description. Actually, John the Baptist in Matthew uh, chapter 3 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew four seventeen says Jesus was going through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness amongst the people. So what is the gospel of the kingdom versus the gospel? And I like to ask this question. It's interesting. Did Jesus preach the gospel? Well, last time we discussed the gospel as being the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the definition of the gospel from 1 Corinthians 15, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, Christ had not died and had not yet buried and had not yet been resurrected, so he did not preach the gospel of Paul, as Paul taught it in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus taught this gospel of the kingdom. Well, what's the difference? What's the nuances here? Remember, the word gospel simply means good news. So we are talking about the good news. Well, what's the good news? Well, Paul's gospel is the good news as Christ died for the sins of the world, was buried, and rose again, according to the scriptures. That's the good news. For Jesus, he says the good news is that Jesus, the anointed king, has come to earth. And I think it's as simple as that. The gospel of the kingdom is Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is near. I'm from the kingdom of heaven. I have come to earth and I am here. That's the good news. So the gospel of the kingdom preaches the soon coming king and a coming kingdom. The gospel of grace that Paul taught preaches the grace of God for salvation. The gospel of the kingdom is that the kingdom has come near. The gospel of grace is that you can become a member of the kingdom. You can become a citizen of the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom, the killing of the king would be a bad and wicked thing. But to us, the gospel of grace, the crucifixion of Christ is our glory, is our salvation, right? So do you see the, the difference here? They're both good news mm -hmm. that Jesus came to earth. He was a representative of the king, kingdom. He was from the kingdom, and he was now near. But the cross was not part of the message of the gospel of the kingdom. It was the king and the coming kingdom. That was the message. The gospel of grace is centered on the cross and requires the preaching of the cross. So when Jesus said... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was giving us a view that one day he will rule and reign on earth and his kingdom would be established. And he came as the representative, the kingdom of God is near. Then he was going to die. Then the gospel of grace will be taught. And then one day in the future when Jesus returns and his feet set on on the Mount of Olives, 
and he comes to rule and reign from sea to sea on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. I, Jeff, I think this is an interesting time to interject a question that came up in our Bible study with uh, Chris, who wanted to know when you said that you understand the Gospels in a different way than we read Paul, and you were saying that the context of the Gospels is Jesus teaching under the law, and the context of the epistles is Paul teaching under grace. I have. I have said that before. In fact, this is probably a very good reminder to everyone that as we approach the teachings of Jesus, which are all in the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we do need to remember the primary context of the Gospels, of the four Gospels. And that is, like the listener pointed out, that Jesus came as a Jew, lived under the law, he taught under the law to those who were under the law, he died under the law, and everything that is in the Gospels needs to primarily be understood in that context. So I think, and I, I remind the listeners of this, and I thank the, this listener for reminding me to bring this up, because I think it's an important distinction to make. Many times we go to the Gospels and we take the words of Jesus and I try to apply it directly to the church today when that was not the intent. Uh, the intent was Jesus was speaking to Israel under the law. And uh, so th- there's this is a nuanced understanding or basically a, 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 an important distinction to make. Paul is speaking to those under grace, post-cross, to those who are part of the church. And so we can we can read his and apply his words directly to the church. You have to be careful when you take the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and apply it directly to the church. Hmm. So he's absolutely right. And I have said that before on air, so that was a, a good reminder. Oh, good. Acts number Acts one six says this. Um, for example, uh, this is this is kind of one of them because his disciples came to him, and as good Jews who understood the Old Testament and understood that their Messiah was going to come and establish a kingdom, right? What's their last question they ask him even after the resurrection right before he sends, ascends up to heaven in Acts chapter 1? And that is this. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So their whole focus The Jews did not understand that this Messiah needed to come the first time as a suffering servant on a donkey to die for the sins of the world, and he's going to come back a second time to rule and reign. They were expecting the Messiah to rule and reign, And, and, and rightfully so, because there's many, many, many passages in the Old Testament that describe this restoration of the kingdom of Israel, when one day... Um, this Messiah will come and reign on earth. And there's many, many descriptions about this coming kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ, which is how it's described in the book of Revelation. Um, For example, it says that men will beat their weapons into plowshares and there'll be peace on earth. Well, that, that hasn't happened yet. We don't have peace on earth. We still have weapons of war and nation fight against nation and so on. It says in Isaiah a couple times that the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the lion will eat straw like the oxen. And actually, the little child will lead them all. That's not happening yet. Mm, right? No, we, it's not. So the descriptions of the kingdom uh, are not here. But that's what the average Jew is expecting. So Jesus does not say yes. The kingdom, he's going to restore the kingdom. It's he, What he says is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
And sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes upon the early believers at Pentecost and the church age begins. And so now is not the time of the kingdom of God on earth. Not yet. The wolf is not lying down with the lamb. There's not peace on earth. Jesus will someday return and establish his kingdom. But today, this this world, according to 1 John 5, is actually in, under the control of the evil one. Open up the newspaper. This world is not, does not look anything like what the kingdom of God is going to look like. So while we in the church are participants of the kingdom, we are citizens of the kingdom, Christ is not ruling on earth yet. And that's the kingdom that will come. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And many of the descriptions in the Old Testament of this kingdom describe that he will rule from Jerusalem, from sea to sea, the earth, his presence will, then all the nations will know that he is the Lord, his presence will fill the earth. Uh, Over and over, scripture describes that his kingdom uh, will fill the earth and he will be king over everything on earth as it is in heaven. Real good. Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We're continuing our series on who is this Jesus. And we're talking about repent, the kingdom of God is near. Is there more on that? Yeah, I mean, this is, there are some that say we are in the kingdom now. I believe the kingdom is yet future, so I'm a futurist, um, and that it will last a thousand years, and it starts when Jesus returns at his second coming. Um, and, and some will say, well, isn't Jesus king right now? Well, Scripture declares that he is exalted at the right hand of the Father, Acts 2 says. He has, uh, he's seated in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's true. That's what uh, Ephesians said. He's head over everything for the church. Uh, that's true. Ephesians 1. Uh, and he's gone into heaven is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. And that is all true. But you know, I, how I see it is just as David was anointed as king by Samuel, uh, but it took many, many years before it's before it actually, I think it took 15 years before David actually became ruler and started functioning as king. In the same way, I see Jesus as the anointed king waiting for the day that he will return to earth and establish his kingdom. But make no mistake, Jesus will come back. He will reign for a thousand years. And by the way, we shall reign with him. Second Timothy 2, 12. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 19, Jesus comes back, he's riding on his white horse, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right. Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We're going to continue our study on who is this Jesus, and we're talking about the teachings today of Jesus. If you heard something you'd like some clarification on or you have a comment, let me know. 877-933-2484. I'll give you that one more time, 877-933-2484. Be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. It is the afternoon show, and my guest this afternoon is Jeff Verdorn, and we're talking about who is this Jesus, and we are continuing our series. We're in about episode number eight. We're talking about the teachings of Jesus. Jeff, let's kind of wrap up uh, the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the gospel of the kingdom in the gospels and the yep. gospel of grace uh, post-cross, and we've been describing the differences. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. He was from the kingdom and came to earth, but he had not died on a cross, was buried and resurrected yet, and that's the gospel. That's the good news that Paul taught. And so Jesus will come back and establish his kingdom, as we've been describing, when he comes at his second coming. He will then establish his kingdom. You know, I I like the idea, Jesus came as a prophet. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, Moses said, God will send you another prophet like me. You must listen to him. So he was was a prophet when he came. Jesus is our high priest today. Uh, Hebrews 4 through 10 says he's serving as a high priest. There's one mediator between God and man right now. So Hebrews 7 makes that clear that he always lives to intercede for us. So he's acting as our high priest, but he will return at the second coming as king of kings and lord of lords. All right. I like that. Maybe we should move on. Should we go to follow me? Let's do some that. of those teachings. So the so the next category, and by the way, that's not obviously comprehensive of all the teachings about the kingdom. So we're you know some of the highlights though. So right. the next one is follow me. Very early on in Jesus's ministries, he uh, comes to a couple of guys who are fishing, and he says, "Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Matthew four nineteen. Um, it's very a very interesting picture as you're talking to some fishermen and he says, all right, put down your nets and I want to make you fishers of men. So we want to go out and catch men for this kingdom that we've been talking about. I'm going to go back just for a second because we a couple times ago talked about this list of how scripture describes us uh, in terms of our role as as ministers of this gospel, of ministers of this kingdom, as representatives of this kingdom. So one of the ways is as ambassadors. So 2 Corinthians 5 says, as if Christ was making his appeal through us. So we are called ambassadors. Here Jesus says we're fishermen. Acts 1 describes us as being witnesses to those things that we have seen and heard. Um we are farmers who go out and sow the word of God into people's hearts. We are our newscasters. Uh, Romans 10 says that those who bring the good news to people uh, were described as workers uh, because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Here the harvest is of people, of men, and it's a harvest unto God. We, we want to preach and proclaim Christ so that the world may believe and be participants of this kingdom. And that's what he meant in Matthew 9 when he said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Romans 15, Paul says, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So we are proclaimers and on and on. Well, what do these all have in common? What they all have in common is what Jesus said, what is commonly referred to at the end of his ministry, is commonly referred to as the great 
Commission. And as my good friend Dave often says, in too many churches, the Great Commission has become the Great Omission. We are not going out into the world. So Jesus said, Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's so comforting, isn't it? It is. I love that. And his his last command should be one of our first concerns, to go. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, teach these things to reliable men that they may teach others. A disciple, by the way, is simply a learner. So we should be learners of God's word and then proclaim or teach these things to others. That's what making disciples uh, is all about. Mm -hmm. Are we disciple makers? One, we should be a disciple. We should learn and be students of the word of God and to study his ways and his promises, his, his precepts, his truths. But then once we take it in, we should not leave it there. We should send it out and teach others. Um, primarily, this one truth of the gospel that Christ came and died and rose again. So that is what Jesus, so 2 Timothy 2 says this. In fact, I should, I'll read the whole passage. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Well, Jesus, your commanding officer, has said, go and make disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And in fact, as a soldier, we will be persecuted. When, when we let our light shine before men, one of the consequences, unfortunately, in this dark world is we're going to attract a little bit more attention uh, from the enemy, and we are going to be persecuted. The brighter you let your light shine, the chances are that you might face more persecution for that light. Have you ever tried to share Christ with someone and they, they belittled you or berated you in some way? Mm -hmm. I had a guy once called me, well, you're just one of those Bible thumpers and and uh, would always write me off and didn't want to listen to anything I had to say. And you will be persecuted on account of righteousness, Jesus said. So he says, uh, so Paul says, we always carry around, oop, I lost it, here. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. When he says, follow me and letting your light shine before men, um, you will be persecuted. Jesus himself said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Paul says it this way in Second Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So while... Yeah, this, is, this is kind of a funny way to get people to let their light shine. Yeah, you're going to get persecuted. But never, never, never forget, you are not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're a foreigner, a stranger, an alien. You're a citizen of the, most high, of the kingdom of heaven, child of the most high God. 
You have overcome the world because you are in Christ Jesus, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The world can't touch you. You are secure in God's hands. He has said you have an inheritance that can never spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, shielded by God's power until that day. So do not be afraid to proclaim, to teach this this word, this truth, and letting your light shine before men. I think that's what Jesus meant by follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to feel awkward sometimes or, or feel like you're a little out of your own skin at times, because that's really what happens when you start to get personal and intimate with people sharing your faith. It, it does, and it is hard. We've, we've talked about this before on other programs where some of the barriers that we as Christians have to being bold. In fact, uh, Paul says, pray for me that I might proclaim it, the gospel, mm-hmm. the truth of God, fearlessly as I should. Paul yeah. even that's prayed. Paul talking. Yeah. Yes, that's Paul. Right. So if Paul prayed for boldness and that he might proclaim it fearlessly, I think we should too. We are in good company. We are in good company. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it is hard. I, you know, one of the easy ways that... Um, that is a, a way to just talk to someone or start a conversation. I was at lunch today and was met with a guy and a young lady came up. Her name was Julie. And I said, I asked her what her name was. We gave her our order. We talked to her. We were friendly, asked her how she was doing and so on. And I said, you know, Julie, we're going to pray for our food today. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? That's all I asked. And she said, um, I don't know. You know, you get lots of responses when you ask this mm-hmm. question, right? And uh, she said, I'm having issues with my knee, so pray for my knee. I had somebody once say, you know, pray for my parakeet. Mm -hmm. I think they were kind of being sarcastic back at me, but um, we prayed for the person's parakeet. Sure. Um, So, and at the end of the meal, I said, we prayed for you. I asked her if she ever prays herself, and she said, yes, she does sometimes, and uh, she seems to go to church a little bit and seem to have a genuine faith. So, but I've had others that say, no, I never pray, I don't believe in God, and and then I maybe ask them some questions. Well, where do you think all this came from? You know, where do you think you came from? Where did all this life come from? Have you mm-hmm. ever thought about what happens when you die? Mm-hmm. And you just start asking them some questions and see uh, how they respond. Has a server ever said to you, pray that I get a really big tip? Because <laughs> <laughs> that would no. put some pressure on you. You know what I do, though? I but, usually, oh, if I talk to someone... I am going to overtip them. Okay. Right? Never. If you never do under-tip. this, people, yeah, never yeah. undertip somebody <laughs> after you talk to them about the Lord. Yeah. Uh, tip them a little bit uh, over maybe what they might be expecting. And then I always, I make it a practice to write on my receipt, God bless you. Good for you. So, and it's just a way to just try to engage people a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I wish I could tell you I do that every single time. I don't, but mm-hmm. um, I, I do it. I am. Number three, Jesus said, I am. I, I love this one because this one, this category of Jesus' teaching um, actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament. So when Moses came to the burning bush and the Lord appeared to them to him in the midst of the flame, Moses asks him, who shall I say sends me back to Israel to set them free from Egypt? You guys know this story. Mm-hmm. He says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
Well, thus in Judaism, this phrase, I am, is unquestionably understood as the name of God. God's name is I am. Well, in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh. Actually, it's, 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 uh, it's not Yahweh. Well, here, let me try to explain this. This is called the uh, Tetragrammaton. It is four letters, Y-H-W-H. Hebrew doesn't have any vowels. So this word, I am, is actually the four letters, Y-H-W-H. And because Hebrew uh, doesn't have any vowels and because uh, Hebrew was kind of a lost language for a while as the Jews were scattered into the world and then brought back and then the language came back, Hebrew scholars uh, and people who understood Hebrew didn't know whether to to call this word and speak this word as Yahweh or Jehovah. Both of those names, Yahweh and Jehovah, are actually the same. It's just you're pronouncing Y-H-W-H one way versus another. And one of the issues with Yahweh, with Jehovah was in the Latin, there was no Y, so it became a J, and that's why we got Jehovah. So traditionally, this Y-H-W-H, known as the Tetragrammaton, is pronounced Jehovah. I think the better translation is most likely, according to most Hebrew scholars, Yahweh. All right, so God's name is Yahweh, but that is I am. Now, something else that's a little unfortunate is that in most English Bibles, this name of God, Yahweh, uh, which actually appears something like 6,800 times in the Old Testament, is not translated as Yahweh. It's translated, generally speaking, in most English Bibles as Lord, all capital, L-O-R-D, Lord which is kind of interesting because the Hebrew word for Lord is Adonai. The Hebrew name for God is Elohim. But Yahweh is, is really I am, right? God, God's mm-hmm. name. So when you see the Hebrew phrase Adonai Yahweh, in English it's translated as Lord God. But if they followed their, their translation uh, you know, standards, it should be Lord, Lord, but they don't translate it as Lord, Lord. They translate it as Lord God. I think Adonai Yahweh, when that appears in Scripture, should actually be translated as Lord Yahweh. And in fact, there is one version of the Bible, the World English Bible, that actually does just that. I think it would be more clear if we translated Yahweh as Yahweh, uh, this this covenant name of God, the I Am. Um Anyway, that was a little aside. That is a good aside, though. And I learned the word tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton. And I will, uh, I will know that um, for at least another 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard word to say. It is a hard word. Tetragrammaton. T-E-T-R-A-G-R-A-M-M-A-T-O-N. Very good. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back more with Jeff Verdorn as we continue our series on Who Is This Jesus? Be right back. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other faith radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. (laughs) 
I hope you've had a good day. I'm glad you're spending a little time with me today. My guest is Jeff Verdorn. He's here in studio with me, and we're talking about Jesus, which is my favorite topic of all time. I think it's yours too, Jeff. I think it is. Yeah. And we're in I our know se- it is. And mine too. We're in our series, Who Is This Jesus? We're looking at his teachings today, and we're on the I Am statements, which is great. So this category is really about Jesus. There's Then I'm going to rattle off the seven I am statements in the book of John. It's kind of an interesting study. What did he say I am? But really, this I am statement, when Jesus says I am, he's really claiming to be God. He's claiming that covenant name of God, that Yahweh, he's basically saying I'm him. And we'll look at that in just a minute as we wrap this up for this hour But let's go through the seven I am statements because this is really interesting. He says seven different statements. John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He's this true manna that came down from heaven. And remember, he says, unless you eat this bread and this bread has broken for you, the bread was the table of showbread in the temple in the holy place, which represents Christ even back in the Old Testament in the temple. Uh, and so there's this is just this wonderful idea that he is the bread of life. John 8, I am the light of the world. John says in the first chapter of John, true light has come into the world, but men love the darkness because their deeds were evil. So he is the true light of the world that has come into this dark world. I am the light. John 10, he says, I am the door. There's only one door to heaven. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. He is the door. When he says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, Paul says there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. Luke says in Acts that there's no other name under heaven or earth by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. He is saying, I am the door. He says, I am the good shepherd, John 10 This is an interesting one because God, the Father, is described as a shepherd back in the Old Testament for Israel. And so picking up on that theme, he says, I'm a good shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for, feeds his sheep, and he protects his sheep. And as shepherds in the New Testament times, I would exhort any shepherd of a church, a pastor, whatever, that that's your primary role, to feed and protect the sheep. Feeding sheep, obviously, is always the word of God. Your word came and I did eat them. So feeding the sheep of the flock is to feed them the word of God. When you protect the flock, you are protecting them from false teachings, Uh, Paul says in Acts 20, I fear that once I leave, savage wolves will slip in amongst you and teach things that not ought to be taught. And so we feed the word of God and we protect the sheep Mm -hmm. from false teaching. And I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Oh, wow. One of the greatest I am statements of them all. John 11, 25, isn't it? Uh, Yes, it Mm -hmm. is. So I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus has the power over death and has the power of resurrection. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. He has the power over the graves. He proved it with his own resurrection and he will also resurrect us as well. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except by me. I just mentioned that. That's John 14, 6. That's the, the sixth I am statement, as we described. He is the only way. He's the only door, the only gate in order to get it's into a heaven. Pretty exclusive statement, isn't it, Jeff? It is. So the exclusivity, when he says, wide is the road and broad is the gate that leads to destruction and Mm -hmm. many go through it, but narrow is the gate and small is the road that leads to everlasting life and few find it. It's not that that gate or that narrow road is hard to find. It's what you just said. It's that it's exclusive. Mm -hmm. That's why it's narrow, I believe. So it's an exclusive way. And, And look, all religious systems... I think Christianity gets a bum rap that we are somehow intolerant of everybody else's religious belief systems or something. Well, they're incompatible. And in fact, all the major religious systems of the world are incompatible with with each other. They all make some claim on how to reach paradise or nirvana or a higher level or a higher state or whatever they happen to be teaching and all have a different way. And so every major religious belief system is exclusive Um, of the other ways. The final one is this. I am the true vine, John 15. Uh, One of my favorite passages, because if he's the true vine and we are just the branches and all the nourishing power comes from the vine, we are just the branches that are supposed to abide in him so that he can bear fruit. And those are the seven I am statements. So with this, he's basically saying, I am God. And Jeff, when we talk about abiding in him and bearing fruit, sometimes I think I hear it as an activity that people are going to go do. I'm going to go bear fruit. And I think, no, 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 that's not your job. It's God's job to bear fruit in your life. And I think you've just discussed this before. We're the, just the fruit hangers. <laughs> we are the fruit hangers. Yeah. He, he bears the fruit in us, us and yes. through us. Yes. yes. But I think there's... Times when people say, you know, I'm going to go bear fruit in my life, and they mm-hmm. make it sound like it's something that they're going to go accomplish. If you're doing it on your own power, you're going to produce plastic fruit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But if you abide and God bears the fruit in your life, then it will be real fruit. Mm. Mm. So through prayer, you can be a fruit bearer, and God will do amazing things in your life. Absolutely. Through you. Yep, as you trust in him, as you seek him first, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, as you trust in him with all of your heart and not lean on your own understanding, as you, as the greatest commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. If you're doing that, you're abiding in Christ and he will bear fruit in your life. Well, Jeff, we have a couple more minutes. Let's wrap up our discussion today with what happened in Gethsemane. Oh, I love this. Jesus says... I am another time in scripture. And this is in John 18. It says this, Jesus, knowing all that was about to going to happen, went out and asked them, who is it you want? So we're in the garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus gets arrested. There's probably a couple hundred men there. And he says to them, who is it you want? And they reply back, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And Jesus in the English, it says, I am he. But it most likely was just, I am. And you know what happens? Judas, was the traitor, was standing with them. And when Jesus said this, I am, everybody, couple hundred people, drew back and fell to the ground. <laughs> and Jesus just simply saying, this covenant name of God, I am. That's the power he has in his name, in his word. Make no mistake, 
Jesus, with a blink, with a word, could have gotten out of that situation and destroyed them all in a heartbeat. Uh, and we get a little glimpse of that. I would, this I word would I am. love to see that. A couple hundred soldiers, who, <laughs> and they all fell backward. All fell backward. When he said, I am. And yet they get up and they arrest him anyway. I, I think I would have just run the other way. Yeah. And every one of them fell backwards. They did. Mm. And it's, it's interesting. When the righteous come in contact with like the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, which way do they fall? Face down before mm. the Lord. Interesting. Jeff, this is a great series. Uh, I think this wraps up episode eight. We'll look forward to nine as we continue our teachings of Jesus. Jeff Redorn has been my guest as we are in a series called Who Is This Jesus? I know they're available at MyFaithRadio.com. If you liked this episode, there are many others. You can listen to it under that title, Who Is This Jesus? Jeff, thanks for being here. It's mm-hmm. always good to always a pleasure. have you, and I guess I'll see you Thursday for Guide Talk. Absolutely. Yeah. See you then. That's awesome. That's awesome. That wraps up our show. I want to say thanks to Rob Bluey over at The Daily Signal for his uh, wisdom of what's going on in Washington, D.C., and Dr. Alex McFarland. He's always so wise, and Jeff Verdorn's been my guest this hour. If you missed any of it, I always encourage you to go to the podcast. You can find that again at MyFaithRadio.com and go to the Afternoons with Bill show page. It's all right there. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.